Well, I don't think uh, that you would assume it's by accident that on uh, the Sunday before a certain Tuesday in the life of our country, that we are going to talk about love today uh, because it is a message that is always needed and a message that's always powerful, but it is something that we need reminders of each and every day, but especially in days where we find ourselves most divided. And so I want to invite you to read with me from Luke chapter 6, which if you've been following through our devotional series on weekdays, we've been walking through this chapter each and every day. But our reading today from Luke 6, verse 27 through 35. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. The word of the Lord. We have been walking through a series, the kingdom of God, of God's kin, God's family that emerges out of a world divided, out of nations and tribes and peoples that are at odds with one another. God brings a family together. And that first sermon of our series was about that God brings both Jew and Gentile to be co-heirs and sharers of the same promise. And in the next week, we talked about that we pray each week when our Lord's Prayer Lord, your kingdom come. Not our kingdom, not the way that we want things, but God, we recognize your kingdom is greater and we ask you to make it more visible here on earth as it already is in heaven. And last week we talked about the foundation of speaking truth, uh, that we believe our faith is real and true and so we should value speaking the truth and sharing truth and not hurting our witness by spreading falsehoods but to grow up into Christ uh, in love and speaking truth. And so today we, we talk about love and Jesus' radical call to love even your enemies. And so on today I want to remind us uh, to just let the words love your enemies just ring through your spirit uh, each and every day in the season. And so I think for us to understand Jesus' call we have to understand the context for which Jesus speaks out this challenging invitation into life-changing love. And so uh, we, we read this each day in our weekday devotions. I, I set the scene with Jesus standing on a level place, not from a mountain speaking down, but he, he levels society and he talks on this level place. And Luke 6 says, uh, verse 17 says, standing on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. 
He's got this, this gathering of people and disciples from all over this region. And the next verse tells us what that crowd was longing for. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And in all, and all in the crowd were trying to touch Jesus, for power came out from him and healed all of them. They were a people longing for healing, longing for hope, longing for a new possibility. They were a people not who were crowds of powerful people, but crowds longing for the power of Christ to touch their lives. And so they are a people in need and longing for a new possibility. And these crowds were people who were not powerful, who were oppressed by their Roman government. They were oppressed by a government that, whether it was uh, through taxation or through intimidation and fear tactics of crosses, which were meant to say, don't rebel against us because this is your end if you do. And so stay under the Roman foot. They were people uh, burdened by their religious leaders because they were trying to find ways to make sure that you stayed pure. And so they kept increasing the rules more and more and made it harder and harder on those who had who were poor, those who had little access, uh, to live up to the religious standards that were placed on them. They were people divided about the way to go, the way to go forward in this uh, divided world. There was a lot of different groups among the the Jewish people in that first century. Uh, Should they follow the zealots? The zealots said, we got to take this by force. And because since we know God's on our side, let's assassinate the rulers and leaders who are above us. Let's create chaos. Let's take back our land. Let's fight and, and start civil war and we will win. Should I follow the zealots? Should I follow the, the Sadducees? The Sadducees were the wealthy among them who uh, believed that maybe if I just kind of cozy up to those in power, maybe they might kind of allow my interests uh, to become policy. And if I become friends with those who have power, maybe we might get what we want. And then there's the Essenes who left and fled to the wilderness and who said, I don't want any part of the society. It is God forsaken. It is evil. I'm not touching it. I'm staying away. Don't call me until judgment day has come. I'm done with this. Or should they follow the Pharisees who thought, you know what? Maybe personal piety will transform the world, and if I, if I have the right religious kind of practices, I can navigate these structures, and one day we will be victorious. And in the midst of all of that, the crowds, who knows what they long for? And some of the stories in the Gospels, they want to make Jesus king. And why do they want to make him king? There's different kinds of reasons. Maybe they want the zealot king who will just destroy and defeat and decimate their enemies. But we are 2,000 years later and still a people divided, still a people longing for healing, people longing for what's the path out of this mess. And we are very aware this year that we are a people in search of healing. I mean, I think many of us have become numb to the counts of those who have died this year uh, through new diseases. You know, in the, in the U.S., I know it's been over 220,000, but, you know, it just keeps creeping up, almost 1,000 people a day. Uh, we long for healing. We long so that we can have life together in the same kind of ways that we knew. We long to be 
uh, safe. And on All Saints Sunday, perhaps we are reminded of those who we've lost who can't be with us, whether that's from decades earlier, that that pain is still felt presently, of longing for a time of of resurrection and hope that life might be reunited to each other. Or maybe that's the recency of losing someone this year. We long for healing. We also have zealots in our backyard. I mean, in our county, we had people scheming and plotting to assassinate our governor. We live in a time where people scheme and plan and hope for civil war. We have zealots still in our midst. We have modern Sadducees who who feel like maybe I can use this next political candidate as a way to prop up my own platform and, and who enjoy getting the photo ops in all of the powerful places and think maybe if I get close enough to money, maybe that will change the world. We have the Essenes, the people who are just left, say, leave me alone. Don't talk to me about anything. I just want to be left alone. Leave me out of this. And we have those who who perhaps want that personal piety, the modern Pharisees, who, you know what, I don't need to address the systems of this world if I just have the right piety myself. And if I just think and believe just the right things, I don't need to deal with the systems that are causing the pain and the injustices. And so we struggle just as they struggled. How do I navigate this divided world that is clearly not God's kingdom yet? What do we do? How do we get there? And, and I'm sure maybe your phones have been like mine. You've gotten plenty of phone calls of people uh, who are very certain that their route is the right route. But no matter which side of these questions you are on, no matter which side of the crowd that was there that day, Jesus has a message that we should accept the transforming power of love and not fear. When you're afraid and doubtful, you operate out of hate and anger and and violence. But Jesus invites us to let love rule our hearts and to transform the world. And so simply, with three words, Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Three words that are so difficult to do. Love your enemies. You might protest and say, Jesus, that makes no sense. How on earth is just loving my enemies going to make a difference? How is that going to affect uh, the Caesar's rule over my life and the way that that Rome is is taxing me uh, beyond my capabilities and my religious officials are burdening me beyond what I can handle? How do I, how does love make a difference? How does love triumph over evil? If those who are opposed to me are willing to take any tactic, how is my love going to triumph? If those who are opposed to me are going to lie and cheat, how is love going to triumph? If those are willing, who are against me are willing to injure and to kill, how is love going to triumph over evil? And in the midst of the chaos of the world, God has a plan, which is to love. You know, we, we know the other famous Bible verse that almost everybody knows, even when you don't go to church, you know John 
John 3.16 does not say that for God so hated the world that he sent a battalion of angels to conquer evil. It does not say that God was so frustrated with the world that he installed new judges over the people. Or that God was so disappointed in the world that that he, he decided to legislate and just reform Roman laws. Or God was so discouraged by the world that he backed Octavian, who became Caesar Augustus, against uh, the Civil War enemies of Mark Antony and Cleopatra. But God emerged into the world with love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that in the midst of the chaos of that world, God chooses to have a baby born in Bethlehem. And that a family who's struggling with, wait, what on earth is happening here? Choosing to love one another, choosing to flee persecution and to survive in Egypt and back into Nazareth, that love was the door to a transformed world. And we see throughout Jesus' ministry the importance of love. Even those who ended up rejecting his call to discipleship. Remember the rich young ruler, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus tells him, go sell everything you have and come and follow me. And it said that Jesus loved him. And the man, burdened too much by his wealth, left in a scene that is so very sad to to not choose the path of love for your neighbor and for your enemy. But Jesus looked on compassion with those who had sicknesses like lepers, who society said to stay away from, don't touch them. And Jesus touched and healed and had compassion on those whom people struggled to love. Jesus wept at a tomb for his beloved friend, Lazarus. Jesus did not come without feelings or emotions, but Jesus wept at the loss of a friend. And there's something kind of misleading about that title. If you read the Gospel of John, that's where you get the stories about the beloved disciple. There's something a little misleading about the title that this one person is the beloved disciple because we are all beloved disciples. We are all invited to be uh, disciples and we are all beloved. And we struggle to take that main, maintain Jesus' vision, maintain his, his vision of love for everyone. Because Jesus was willing, even at the cross, to pronounce forgiveness for those who did not know what they were doing. How many of us are at that point where those who injure us and who harm us, we can say, you know what, I forgive you. You don't know what you're doing. I love you, even though you hurt me, even though you intend to do me harm. But the truth is, we all still struggle to live up to this message that Jesus gave. The disciples struggled. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Their language about Judas demonstrates their struggle. What do I do with this man who betrayed Jesus, who I love? Uh, And it's like every time that they mention his name, they have to kind of throw out all of this anger and frustration about him. But we do the same thing. We have people in our lives that we struggle to love, that we, we can't see in other terms than just what they've done wrong and how they've failed us. And in this season, insert whichever political name that you need to work on about, I can resist campaigns and policies, but I still need to see you as a child of God, as someone who I should love even when I'm opposed to you. Jesus loved everybody. 
And love changes everything because we see, even from a cross, Jesus' love. We see that uh, Jesus' love extending to those who sent harm his way. And we can't just talk about love. Like, just writing a love textbook about descriptions means so little in comparison to seeing love lived out. And Jesus' love lived out shatters expectations, shatters our low imagination of what could be. And Jesus invites the church into a world that lives out this love with full, uh, reckless abandon of, I'm going to give my love out to everyone. And I'm going to hope that that changes everything. Jesus said in this text that we read, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. As we think about what it is to love in the midst of division, in the midst of struggles and fights and arguments, be reminded that our call is to live out love, not just feel love, but to live it out. And so, how well are we loving in this season? You can start in your, in your own household. You can expand that out to friends and family members and coworkers and to people that you see on TV, how well are we loving? I want to read from us the words from Paul in the famous chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, on love, which invites love to not just be a thought process, but to be enacted. And think about how well are you loving everyone in this season with this bar that Paul sets for us. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious, or boastful, or arrogant, or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. I encourage you just to read that chapter throughout this week. Say, am I loving my neighbor, my enemy, with a love that is patient, with a love that is kind? When I win and I'm victorious, how boastful or arrogant am I? How well am I loving? How well am I rejoicing in truth instead of preferring rejoicing in the lies that might gain me momentary victories and, and fights? How do we love our families, our neighbors, our coworkers, our Facebook friends? Do we have a kind of love that endures all things? Because I feel like a lot of us are at the end of that leash and our patience has run out. How well is your love enduring in this season? I want to read a quote uh, from someone that I, when I think about loving enemies, I can't help but think about in this American context. Uh, 
the quote is from Martin Luther King, and it's a quote from a sermon that he gave in 1957 about loving your enemy. And when I think about what is it to say, we need to change, but we can't change through violence, we change through love and through a new imagination and a new hope. Here's what he had to say about loving your enemies. Love is not this sentimental something that we talk about. It is not merely an emotional something. Love is creative, understanding goodwill for all people. Hear this. Love is the refusal to defeat any individual. Love is the refusal to defeat any individual. When you rise to the level of love, of its great beauty and power, you seek only to defeat evil systems. Individuals who happen to be caught up in that system you love, but you seek to defeat that system. How well do we live into the love of our enemies that we say, you know what, you might be fallen into the midst of this system that is causing harm and evil, but I'm going to love you because that's what it takes to get to that day in which all knees bow to our Savior, Christ, who rules with love and goodness. And so we have a decision each and every day, but especially in this time. Will we choose to love or to live out of fear? Will we choose to seek God's kingdom before all else, understanding that there is no system in this world that is not tarnished in some way? None of us have had the perfect system yet. Uh, we all long for God's system to eventually uh, be fully present. And until that day, how well are we loving everyone, caught up in the midst of this divided world. And so it starts with love individually. You, you get to make that decision. Do I accept that God loves me even on my worst day, even when I run away, even when I push and resist against God, even when I spit uh, in the face of God's, God's word for my life? God loves you. How do you respond? If you've been living out of fear and not love, today God invites you to repent and choose a better practice, a better path, a better life of love. And if you've never responded to God's loving invitation, now is the perfect time to respond in love. And if you've been on this path with us for days, for weeks, for months, for years, for decades, if it has felt your entire life that you can remember that you've been on this path and yet you realize I have not fully lived out this love, God is still inviting your heart to be even more transformed to the heart that God has for us. And so today as you resist the evil structures and the pain and the violence and the fear that's in this world, may you love your enemies, your neighbors, everyone. Because love never ends, and love wins. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I know I struggle, and I'm sure those worshiping with us struggle with how simple your word can be for our life. Love your enemies. Lord, I 
ask you for forgiveness for the times in which my love has not been patient or my love has celebrated uh, at, at my own victories and not cared for those on the other side. Love changes everything, and, and Lord, I ask that you would turn my heart and turn each of our hearts more towards you, and that your call to love might be felt now, but also in a week, in a month, in a year. Lord, help us to persevere in your love, and to have that hope and that faith that your love will actually save, redeem, and transform this world. Lord, we thank you, and it's in your name that we, we pray. Amen.